and live from the basement, this is Cellar Dweller Sports. And we're back with another edition of Cellar Dweller Sports with K Dog and G Mac. Coming to you live from the cellar. Today, we have our topics today are the NHL playoff bracket, Jamal Adams trade, Mets and Yankees, MLB prediction, and another edition of the top five. So, first, we are talking about the NHL playoff bracket, first round only, first round games, and then we will talk about the seeding. After the first round is done and the first round round robin is done for the one through four seeds. So we're going to start with the Islanders versus Panthers prediction. I have Isles in four. The season series was 3-0 in favor of the Isles. And the last time the Isles played the Panthers in the playoffs, they won in 2016 off a game-winning goal. So, okay, dog. I'm really interested in reviewing the qualifying qualifying games for the NHL. We're not going to talk about this week the uh, seeding games, but just the qualifying games. Uh, starting with the Islanders and the Florida Panthers, uh, I too like the Islanders to to beat the Panthers in this uh, series. The Islanders have beaten the Panthers every time they played this season. They've all been close games, but the you know the Islanders don't blow anybody out. They they're lucky if they could score three goals. They'll play tight, tight games. I think it's going to come down to goaltending, you know, and who will have the better goaltending? Will it be Varlamov be better than Bobrovsky? Don't know. I'm going to say Varley's going to be better than Bobrovsky. He's struggled this year. Uh, the Islanders are healthy. The def- and defense wins. The Islanders' defense has gotten healthy uh, since the, the – the shutdown for COVID-19. The Islanders have better D, and I think the Islanders will squeak by the Panthers in the first round. How many games do you have them in? Uh, I think they'll win in four. Okay. And on to the other side of New York, uh, Hurricanes versus Rangers. The Rangers are the 11th seed. I have the Rangers winning in three, a series sweep. The season series was 6-0, and I think the Rangers just overpower them with their offense and their upcoming uh, goaltending and uh, the great goalies that they have right now, including uh, Henrik Lundqvist. I, I agree with you. The Rangers, I agree they'll sweep the, the uh, Hurricanes. The Rangers own the Canes. Uh, they've won the last five against the Canes. They're 10-2 and two in the last 12. They, they own the Canes. The Canes don't want to play them. Uh, their coach, the Hurricanes coach, didn't want, doesn't like the, fo- the format because he knew they were going to play the Rangers. You know, the question for the Rangers is who's going to start in goal. Is it going to be Igor or Henrik Lundqvist in goal? Uh, I'm assuming that they'll go with Igor, who had the better season. I think uh, Henrik has more experience, however. I think his better days are beyond him, sad to say. But um, I think uh, the Rangers were, were coming on strong at the end of the season before the the um, delay in the season, and the Canes were struggling. I think you got to go with Panarin and Zabonijad. Uh, I think they're just too tough, those two guys, and I think the Rangers will walk past the Canes pretty easily. Yeah, the goal-scoring power on the Rangers is uh, ridiculous right now. Zabonijad had five goals in one of the last games before the season, uh, season was halted due to corona. But on to the next series, we have 
eight versus nine, Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, I have the Leafs and five in this one. They split the series 1-1, but I think the star power of Tavares, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and the goalie Anderson in net, I think they could take down the Blue Jackets pretty easily. Okay, Ken Dog, I disagree with you on that one. I'm taking Columbus in this series. Columbus Blue Jackets to beat Toronto. Uh, it's probably because I don't like John Tavares. It's an Islanders fan thing. Uh, yeah, the, it, the regular season, they were they were pretty competitive with each other. Uh, but I like Columbus. Columbus beat the Jag uh, beat Tampa Bay last year, so I'm looking for that same upset. I think Columbus's forechecking uh, will be too much for Toronto to compete with. I just don't think uh, they'll be able to maintain the physicality of the Columbus Blue Jackets forecheck. And uh, Elvis will be in the goal and in the building. So as a result, I think Columbus beats Toronto five-game series, but Columbus takes it. Yeah, I think it could go either way, that series. We'll see what happens. And the last matchup in the East is the five-seed Penguins versus the 12-seed Canadians. In this matchup, I have the Penguins in four. They won the season series, but the last time they they played in the playoffs, the Penguins lost to the Montreal Canadiens in 2010, but I don't think that matters. I think Matt Murray, Sidney Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin take take over and win that series. Okay, dog, I agree with you. I can't see how Montreal can beat Pittsburgh. You know, during the season series, they Pittsburgh beat them two games to one. The question is, you know, who's going to be the goaltender for Pittsburgh? It sounds like it's going to be Murray, but it could certainly be Tristan Yari, who was better than Murray uh, during the regular season, but Murray has the playoff experience. Um, with a healthy Sidney Crosby and Afghani Malkin, uh, I, I, this should be a walkover for the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. They should make easy work of the Canadians. Although Pittsburgh was ousted last year in round one by our beloved New York Islanders, so mm-hmm. you know anything could obviously happen. But I think again the Pens make easy work of the Habs unless uh, Carey Price is incredible and he stands on his head. If he's able to stand on his head, uh, then obviously Montreal has a chance because goaltending wins. But that's what it would take. So I, I don't see uh, Montreal being a serious threat to Pittsburgh. Uh, now on to the West uh, for the NHL. Uh, we have the 11-seed Arizona Coyotes versus the 6-seed Predators. I have the Preds in 5. They split the series 1-1 in the regular season. I think the X factor will be Pekarene. If he plays the way he should and usually does, uh, he'll be lights out and they could finish off the Coyotes easily, and stars like Roman Yossi, Matthew Shane, and Philip Forsberg are going to have to step up too. They had a lackluster season, but I think they could be a dark horse for this playoffs. I agree with you. Nashville will beat uh, the Coyotes. Uh, you know, it'll come down to goaltending, and uh, Pecorine will probably start in the playoffs, although Saros uh, was better in the regular season than uh, Rene. The um, Nashville Predators, they have a uh, solid defense. Defense wins, so I think they'll uh, beat uh, the Coyotes handily in round one. 
And in the next playoff series, we have the eight Flames versus the nine Winnipeg Jets. I have the Jets in five. They only played one game this year where the Jets won the game. But I think Line A, the star power of Line A, and the goaltending of Hellebuck brings this team to a series win. K-Dog, you were looking at my notes again because I, too, have picked the Winnipeg Jets to beat the Calgary Flames. I think this will be the most entertaining series uh, in the Western Conference. Very, It'll be very competitive, closely matched teams. You have to remember that the Flames have a new coach. You know, their uh, original coach resigned amid uh, controversy, so they have a new coach. Don't know how the team is going to react to that. Um, but I think the goaltending wins in the playoffs. Uh, Winnipeg Jets goalie Connor Hellebuck, he should win the Vesna Trophy. And, and his goaltending alone will put them over the top. And who knows, Winnipeg could go far with this goaltending. Uh, how far is yet to be determined. It all depends on the matchups, but they will beat the Vancouver. Uh, they will beat the uh, Calgary Flames in round one. Okay, on to the five versus twelve seeds. We got the uh, Edmonton Oilers versus the Chicago Blackhawks. This one, I have the Chicago Blackhawks in four. Chicago won the series, the uh, season series two one. I think Corey Crawford coming off of. Uh, Positive COVID test comes back, plays very well, and I think the star power of Taves and Kane bring their veteran playoff experience and win the series over Connor McDavid and company. You must have been looking at my notes, K-Dog, because I also predict Chicago will beat Edmonton. Chicago, like you said, won two of three during the season, albeit both were in Chicago. Uh, Nevertheless, they beat two of three of them. You know, Chicago's just happy to be in the playoffs. They weren't going to make the playoffs if uh, COVID-19 didn't interrupt the season. But they have new life. I think they'll take advantage of that new life. Edmonton lives on the power play. Their success this season has a lot to do with the power play. I don't think they'll get as many power plays in the the playoffs as they have in the regular season. And uh, you, you can't survive off the power play alone. So... For that reason, I'm looking for the big upset with the Blackhawks to beat the Oilers, send them home, play some golf. And uh, the last series we have is the 7 Vancouver Canucks versus the 10 Minnesota Wild. This one I also have the Wild in 4. Minnesota won the series just like the Blackhawks, 2-1. Uh, they had a hot streak before the season ended. They were 7-3. and three to end the season before the corona happened. So I think this could propel them through the first series and get them a series win. And uh, Dubnik and Parise will step up for the team and bring them to a win, I think. I I agree with you. I think Minnesota will beat the Canucks. Um, They won two of three against them in the regular season. Uh, I had a chance to see the Canucks play the Islanders before uh, the, the break early February. Canucks beat them in overtime. I think the Canucks have a very young team, and uh, although Minnesota doesn't have a lot of playoff experience, I think they'll handle the Canucks in round one. Yeah, that after once the first round is over, we will come back uh, after the seeding is done for the one through four seeds and predict our next series once the time comes. But on to our next topic. <laughs> 
the Jets finally made a trade. Jamal Adams is heading to the Seahawks. The Jets got two first-rounders, a third, and McDougal in exchange for Jamal in a fourth-round pick. This was a big trade by Joe Douglas. I think if he keeps this up and makes great picks out of these two first-rounders, he'll be here to stay for a while. I, I agree with you. This is as a Jet fan, I think this is a great trade by uh, the GM Joe Douglas. Jamal Adams was uh, a malcontent. You know, was looking for anything uh, and do anything to try to bring the Jets to the table and negotiate a new contract or a contract extension. I think the the trade and what they got from Seattle was it was a steal with two first rounders, a third rounder, and Bradley McDougald coming back in the trade. You know, McDougal, seven seasons, Tampa and Seattle, 29 years old, one year left on his contract. If you compare his stats to Jamal Adams, they're not much different. Uh, Jamal Adams isn't head and shoulders above him. 75 career starts. He has 10 INTs. He had two INTs last year, just as Jamal Adams did. Mm -hmm. 355 solo tackles over uh, those 75 starts, 451 combined tackles. Uh, Jamal Adams, 46 game starts, two INTs, 210 solo tackles, 273 combined tackles. So I don't think there's a, a significant downgrade with uh, Bradley McDougal coming over, and then you get the two first-rounders and a third to boot. So I think that's a great trade. Um, I, I personally would have let Jamal Adams suffer a little bit longer. I would have started to fine him for uh, – conduct detrimental to the team for his comments and what he said about the coach Adam Gase even though Gase is terrible and, and should be fired but nevertheless you know, the comments he made or the comments he made about Joe Douglas I would have made him suffer find him suspended him for those comments and not let him off easily but uh, you know Jamal probably thinks the Jet fans are having a funeral when actually we're, we're celebrating goodbye good riddance you couldn't you couldn't make it in New York like our theme, our exit theme song says, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Well, you couldn't make it in New York. Uh, enjoy Seattle. See you later. Bye. Yeah, Seattle. Uh, Seattle might be a tough place for him to play as well because in the in the West, the the NFC West, they have the 49ers and the Rams. The 49ers just made it to the Super Bowl. Might be tough for Jamal to get out. Out of even uh, the division, they might not even make the playoffs possibly, but I could see them making the wild card or even possibly winning the division now. But I think the Jets made a great trade here, getting rid of a, a locker room distraction, it seems, because on Twitter all the players are mad at Jamal for leaving. I think he was doing bad stuff in the locker room as well. It's just... It's a sigh of relief for Jet fans as well. I think the Jets could change these first-rounders into superstars, just like Jamal. We'll see. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, the, the Jets did the right thing. They sent the message to the team that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're an exceptional player. If you can't fit in with the confines of the team, you know, you're just not going to be here. And he wanted out. He got out. Um you know, it just shows his true colors 
and his character and uh, he, he lacks integrity, he lacks leadership ability, everything he said about Adam Gase, he lacks. And if you, and I said this during episode one when we talked about Jamal Adams a bit, if you watch the post-game shows on SNY after the Jets, Jets games last year, this guy was a beaten man. He, he, had, no, he had no intestinal fortitude, he had given up, he didn't have the strength that a leader needs to have when a team is down. So I don't know why people think he's a leader. Yeah, the Jets made him a captain probably to appease him, not because they really thought he was a leader, because he has not demonstrated any leadership ability. You mm-hmm. know, So before he starts criticizing Gase, he has to look within and see how weak he really is. Yeah, that's funny because he tweeted uh, one, uh, when he joined the Seahawks that He's bringing his leadership and talent to the team, even though he's a one of the biggest sellouts uh, in Jets history. I don't think he has any leadership whatsoever, obviously, leaving here. So it just begs the question, how will he do in Seattle with Russell Wilson as one of the biggest leaders in the NFL and sports in general? Well, I think that's a good point because Jamal Adams has to understand this is not his team. This is Russell Wilson's team. Let's make no mistake about it. It's Russell Wilson's team. And besides, he's a safety. And, and he's not even Ronnie Lott. I mean, he's a safety. And, you know, he's not joining the Legion of Boom. This, mm-hmm. is, this is a team that, without Russell Wilson, is really on the downside. I mean, they're, they're not going up. They're going down. Uh, and Russell Wilson, you know, has been carrying them. And that's the type of player he is, and, and Russell Wilson is a leader. Uh, Jamal, yeah, he'll do fine. Maybe he'll make the, the Pro Bowl. But, you know, you, your goal isn't to make it to the Pro Bowl. Your, your goal is to win Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So if you're content making it to the Pro Bowl, which he might be because he's a very selfish player, and he only cares about himself, and he only cares about his contract leverage, which that will, will cer- certainly uh, support and give him leverage with respect to that. But... You know, I'm glad he's gone. He's just been, he's been a malcontent. Uh, he, he hasn't shown leadership. And uh, he, he was just going to be a distraction. I just would have liked to seen him suffer a little bit more, you know. But he, like you said, he will be villainized in New York going forward. The Jets play the Seahawks on December 13th this year. So once we play Jamal, we get to see how he really is. Hopefully Le'Veon Bell can level him and destroy him maybe go off for maybe a 150 or something but also the on the defensive side Bobby Wagner is their captain on the defense I wonder if Jamal will step on his toes or something uh we'll see what happens there too let's see if Jamal shows up in December or whether he has some sort of reason not to be playing injury or otherwise but you know let's let's start burning the Jamal Adams jerseys now yep we're on that we're going to burn that soon. But uh, on to our next topic is the MLB playoff picture, the division winners. Uh, they, changed the, they changed the format this year. It's going to be the first two teams from each division, and then it's going to be two teams that have the best record after that. So we'll obviously start out with the NL East because of the Mets. I have the Braves coming in first, the Mets in second, and then I have the Nats taking one of the wild card spots as the third team in the NL East. 
to go to the playoffs. So I'm predicting the Nationals re- win the uh, AL East with the Braves coming in second. I'll throw the Mets a bone as a wild card team. Uh, but I, I think the Nats will prevail this year. Their pitching is excellent. Uh, they still have a lot of bats, even with the loss of Rendon. The Braves won the NL East last year. I think they have a lot of pitching, and they have a, an excellent position player lineup. And, you know, if the Mets can hold on and uh, can pitch well, their bulk pen can do well, I think they could squeak into a wild card out of the NL East. Yeah, I think the Nationals, if Soto comes back healthy enough, they could take the second spot instead of the Mets. But right now, if Soto doesn't come back healthy like he should be playing, then I give them the third. But then we're going on to the other side, the AL East. I have the Yanks first, obviously. They showed their true colors first game. They were up 4-1 going into a rain delay. They would have scored way more runs on Scherzer after that, but they called the game, won it. Uh, and then we have, I have the Rays second. Their starting rotation is fantastic, and they have a great lineup as well. And I think the AL East could also bring in a third playoff team with the Red Sox. So, I, obviously, uh, in the AL East, I like the Yankees. The Yankees have a, a murderer's row lineup. They're going to be the Bronx Bombers again. And, you know, their pitching should be good enough to uh, take the, the AL East division without question. I think uh, second place, the Rays, Tampa Bay Rays, will finish in second place. You know, they probably have the best pitching in the AL. Their, their offense is, you know, underrated. Last year, you know, they played most of the season without Blake Snell and Tyler Glasnow. If they have them for a full season, I think their pitching will even be better. Nick Anderson in relief for a full season. So I think the the Rays can contend and uh, will finish in second. I don't see uh, a wild card coming out of the AL East. Yeah, Glasnow and Snell are two ace talents that could, if Glasnow was playing anywhere else, he would be an ace first starter. But their one and two punches are disgusting. So we'll go on to the NL Central now. I have the Cardinals winning the division and the Reds coming in second. The Reds have deep lineup this year, including the addition of Mike Moustakis. He had a home run the other night, and um, it seems that their starting lineup, headlining with Luis Castro, uh, Castillo, uh, could bring this team to the promised land. And I also have the Brewers coming in as the third wild card, third. NL Central spot and the final wild card. So again, you must have looked at my notes. Out of the NL Central, I like the St. Louis Cards to come in first, with the Reds to finish in second. You know, the Cards have good pitching. Jack Flaherty, you know, leading the rotation, mm-hmm. second fewest runs in 2019. Their defense is excellent, third in in defense in 2019. They have to hope to have an offense a bounce back this year with their offense. Goldschmidt has to be better. Matt Carpenter has to be better. They have to have bat bounce back years. Tyler O'Neill, Colton Wong, uh, I think are very solid in that lineup. And the cards will be tough. The Reds seem to be everyone's favorite uh, to get back into playoff contention. 
And their pitching is, is pretty good with Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo, 2019 All-Stars, Trevor Bauer and Wade Miley, all uh, competitive pitchers. Their offense, as you, you spoke about, with they've added Moustakis, Castellanos, uh, Eugenio Suarez, 49 homers, and Votto, very consistent. If they can improve upon the 4.3 runs per game that they scored last year, you know, then they'll be there in, in second place. Uh, I'm looking for the Cubs to be the second wild card team coming out of the NL Central. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know they they have a rookie pitcher, I mean rookie manager, but I think you know their lineup and their pitching is is very solid, and I think they will squeak into the wild card uh, based based on that. Yeah, I think the NL Central is probably the deepest in the MLB this year. I think the the wild card spot could go to either the Brewers or Cubs, but I think Yelich will take his team to the playoffs. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, as you talked about on the Reds, he almost took the batting uh, home run champion away from Pete with 49, but Pete uh, stormed away, finishing with 53. Now on to the AL Central, we have I have the Twins first. Uh, they have a deep lineup. They have a deep pitching rotation. They showed it last year that they could compete. Fortunately, they lost to the Yankees last year, but I think they could come back better than ever and possibly beat the Yankees in the playoffs. In uh, my second spot, we have the Cleveland Indians. Deep pitching lineup with Shane Bieber and Mike Clevenger. They also have a great lineup with Carlos Santana and Francisco Lindor. So... We get to see in the AL Central how that pans out. So in the AL Central, I'm looking for the Twins to finish in first. They're basically returning everyone from their home run leading lineup in uh, 2019, led by Nelson Cruz. They added Josh Donaldson, you know, added some pitching depth with uh, Jake Odorizzi and Maeda and Rich Hill. So I think that solidifies the uh, Twins pitching staff. So I think they'll come out of uh, the Central in first place. I picked the Indians to come in second place. I think, uh, you know, they have a a great manager in Francona. Good hitting with uh, Carlos Santana at at first base. Fran Mio Reyes, Francisco Lador. They have four switch hitters in their lineup, and they're pitching with Bieber, Clevenger, and Carrasco is very solid. So I look for them to come uh, in second place out of the Central. And I look for the Chicago White Sox to come out of the AL Central as the wow. wild card. So, you know, giving the White Sox an opportunity here. Their offense is powerful with Jose Abreu, Edwin Encarnacion, mm-hmm. Yasmani Grandal, Tim Anderson, you know, batting title in 2019, Abreu 123 ribbies leading the league in 2019. You know, they're, they're pitching Lucas Giolito, 2019 All-Star and closer, Alex Colome, 30 saves in 2019. So I think this is a team that is being overlooked and in a short season could probably pull out the, the wild card. So I'm picking them to come out of the AL Central as the wild card. Yeah, that is a very interesting team. They, they're they on the come up, Tim Anderson, with the batting title for the AL. Giolito on my fantasy team, hopefully he could step it up and be the ace that he was last year next we have the nl west and i have the dodgers 
winning the division, coming in first. Even though Clayton Kershaw is on the DL right now, it seems that they have the pitching staff to do it, including Walker Bueller that pitched fantastically last year, and the additions of Mookie Betts will bring this team to the promised land. I think they could possibly beat the Yankees in the World Series this year. And second, coming out of the NOS, I have the Padres. The Padres are a very young squad. They have uh, veteran talent with Eric Hosmer, but they also have young talent with Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado. I think the young pitching and Chris Paddock as well brings this team to the playoffs this year and finally gets the Padres going. K-Dog, that's a bold pick with the Padres. Uh, I'm not sure that the Padres will make it to the postseason, but it would be nice. It's been a long time for San Diego and um, since they made the postseason, but I, I just don't see it happening. The NL West, I too have selected the Dodgers to win the division. I think, you know, the Dodgers are built on offense, offense, offense. I mean, they have a stacked lineup top to bottom, you know, with Betts, Bellinger, Turner. Uh, they're just stacked top to bottom in in their lineup. But, however, their pitching is suspect. They, they lost Ryu in free agency. Kershaw is hurt often, and uh, Price has opted out. So I think their pitching staff – is a little suspect. I think they're a little vulnerable there, but they'll slug their way to the playoffs. I think they take a step back, but they still win the division. I'm not sure I agree with you that they could beat the Yankees in the World Series. I just think that um, you know their pitching staff won't be enough to get them over the top uh, to win the World Series. Kershaw is, has proven that he's not a playoff pitcher. Uh, so I, I think they'll struggle once they get to the playoffs, as they, they typically have lately. But uh, I see them winning the division. I see the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks finishing second place mm. this year, beating out uh, your Padres pick. Last year they had 85 wins. They added Madison Bumgardner, Sterling Marte, and Cole Calhoun. So with those additions, I could see them winning 90 games this year and uh, putting some pressure on the Dodgers along the way but I think it's Dodgers first D-back second and I think the uh, Padres have a little uh, little more to, little ways to go before they're in the playoff contention on to the AL West I have the Astros in first obviously uh, the scandal that happened earlier this year in the 2017 World Series found out that they cheated but I think they'll be first they have a deep lineup with Springer Altuve, Correa, Brantley, their pitching staff with Verlander and McCullers. And then we have, I have the Athletics second. They have a deep lineup, Matt Chapman. They have a good pitching staff as well. And then with the third and final wild card in the, in the AL, I have the Angels with Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and Albert Pujols. I think this is uh, Trout's year to make the playoffs so in the coming out of the al west i'm looking for the oakland a's to finish in first place in that division they have strong pitching with matt chapman homer bailey matt olson you know chris davis so i think the a's will come out of the al west i like the angels to finish second in the al west new coach with matt and i think he'll, he'll bring a new culture to that team they got Mike Trout. He's the best in Major League Baseball. 
They've gotten Anthony Rendon from the Nats, which I'm glad to see him go because he killed the Mets every time they played him. Mm-hmm. Shoei Atani, you know, he's the only Angel ever with two years of 120 plus OPS and 100 plus games in the first two seasons. So I think from an offensive perspective, uh, they'll they'll be strong and their pitching is a little questionable. Will Otani pitch? You know, uh, is to be seen. But I think if their pitching can come together, that they they'll finish in second place. And I'll give the Houston asterisks the uh, second wild card. You know, their pitching is strong with JV and Granke, and um, I think their their lineup is still strong. Uh, with Altuve and Bregman and so forth, you know, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I have the asterisks in the wild card coming out of the AL West. Interesting. I think the Astros will still win the division, but on to our next topic. We have our second installment of the top five. Top five, top five, top five. And it's going to be the top five worst sport team names. And I'll start first. I'll go with the NFL. We have the same NFL team name, the Browns. It's named after their former coach and GM, Paul Brown. But they they should change it. It's one of the most boring names in sports. You're named after a color. I understand that it's after the coach and GM, but it's a color. It just makes the city of Cleveland look even blander. And their history is just terrible with that name so they just might as well change it i agree with you uh, the the five team names i dislike the most the cleveland browns is one of those five you know can you get any more boring than the browns the logo's atrocious the color's awful the team's awful there's no creativity nobody's brought buying browns merchandise right n- n- nobody because even if they're good it's not fashionable. It's not stylish. It's not one of these teams that has great colors, great logos, that even if you're not a fan of the team, it's cool. It's fashionable. There's nothing cool about the name of the Browns, their logo, or their colors. They're terrible, just like the team is terrible. Now, I understand how the, the, the uh, Browns came uh, name came around, right? So when the team was bought, the, the owner hired Paul Brown. He left the name up to, to Paul Brown to name the team. He was the first coach, partial owner. Brown didn't want the, t- the team to be called the Browns. So the owner held a contest to name the Browns in 1945, and the most popular choice was the Cleveland Panthers. But Paul Brown rejected that. You know, Ironically, the Carolina Panthers exist today, mm-hmm. and you know the Cleveland Browns probably would have been better with the, the uh, Cleveland Panthers. But they rejected that, uh, and the reason they re- Paul Brown rejected it is because early there was an earlier failed team that, that had the name Brown, and he didn't want to be associated with that old failed team. Well, if he can only see them now, because there's no bigger failure than the, the Browns franchise. It's probably the worst franchise in the in the NFL. And their on-field antics last year certainly reinforced that, you know, with with that what happened in that Steelers game and just the antics of Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield. But anyway, the owner uh, McBride then named the team the Browns, you know, and there was a point in time where the team claims there was an alternate history of their name, 
where uh, Paul Brown at one time said that the, se the second name the, the team contest yielded the name Brown Bombers after Joe Lewis, whose nickname was the Brown Bomber. The name was reportedly shortened to Browns. And then Paul Brown later admitted, you know, it wasn't true, and he, he made it up because he didn't uh, want the team named after him. The NFL uh, supports the position that the team was named after Brown. But regardless of its origin, it's a terrible name, bad logo and colors, colors and historically bad team. Well, the logo on midfield is just a helmet with their ugly brown color. So, yeah, that is, I think, terrible team name. Uh, on to the NBA for me. I have the Miami Heat. Like, Miami couldn't come up with a better name. It's named after a state of weather. The Heat, we understand the Heat in Miami. It's hot. Very hot, humid, but really the heat. It was picked in a contest too. So uh, most of the worst team names for me, they were involved in contests. So I think contests should be done away with. Obviously, Miami Heat, terrible name. Yeah, I could. I'm I'm okay with the Heat. I don't have a problem with the the Miami Heat name. Uh, the NBA team's name that I dislike the most is the Lakers. All right. So you know the reason I don't like team names where the team has moved from the franchise has moved from one city to another city right so the lakers started out as the minneapolis lakers and i and i get it it's a it's a good name for a team from minneapolis minnesota the land of ten thousand lakes it's perfect for them however when you move to southern california you know the name has nothing to do with the geography after they moved so so, you, you, you know, the Lakers are the fake show. Their name isn't aligned with their region, isn't aligned with Southern California at, at all. Uh, there, there are about 22 lakes in Southern California, believe it or not, most of which are really re reservoirs. Uh, I can see calling the Lakers something like the waves, like the Pepperdine waves due to the Pacific Ocean, but not the Lakers. I mean, come on, L.A., you're Hollywood, the land of imagination, and you have no creativity. That's mm -hmm. why you're the Fakers, because you couldn't even come up with a more creative name than the Lakers from Minneapolis. I mean, really. A fake show with LeBron, that's right. And then we have, onto the NHL, we have the Nashville Predators for my selection. I just think it's it encompasses, Predators encompasses a bunch of species their logo is based off of a saber-toothed tiger, and instead they just encompass a whole species. So I think it's a very vague and bland name. I do like the colors, however, and the logo, but the name, they should have changed it to maybe the saber-toothed tigers. But I understand that's a long name, but at least try and change it to something more specific, less vague, less bland. Yeah, I'm not high on the... Uh on that name either uh, but I think uh, staying with the same theme about teams and franchises keeping a name that has nothing to do with their geography after they move uh, I vote for the Calgary Flames uh, for to be in my top five uh, team names that I dislike the most I mean I like the name Flames but it doesn't fit with the team I mean it was great when 
they were the Atlanta Flames, all right? It's hot Atlanta, I get it. Flaming hot weather, uh, but not when you represent Calgary in Western Canada. And actually, it's a reference to the burning of Atlanta by General Sherman during the Civil War. That's really how the, the team name came about. So Calgary tries to say that, well, they kept it because it also works for a team from an oil region. You know, I disagree. I think the name should go back to Atlanta, which now has the Thrashers, which is also a terrible name. Calgary should have its own identity aligned with their geography, not a name associated with another country's civil war, right? So let's, let's give the flames back to Atlanta. Atlanta can get rid of the Thrashers. Calgary can come up with some, with some other name, but really, come on, Calgary, get creative. Yeah, Flames is a bad name for a team that doesn't see a lot of heat in the in NHL and in their geographic region. But onto a, a baseball team, I have a minor league team, the El Paso Chihuahuas. It it might be one of the worst names in the history of names because it's named after the most annoying dog on the face of the planet. I don't understand how you could want your baseball team to be named after these dogs. All they do is scream, bite, yell. I understand El Paso, Texas. It's a Spanish kind of thing. But the Chihuahuas, you could have picked a better dog than that. This is another contest winner. So that's why I'm saying get rid of the contest. Because all the names that have come from contests have been awful. Yeah, at least the ones you've, you've picked thus far seem, seem to have... Uh names derived from contests that aren't that great so with with uh baseball you know i had the sixers in in the top five names now i have the phillies in the bottom five names originally known as the quakers the team eventually changed the name to be the philadelphians which was shortened to phillies no creativity here whatsoever philadelphians phillies unlike the sixers name the Phillies is just boring the owners even knew it was boring and tried to change the team name to Blue Jays in the early 40s and wore a Blue Jay patch on their uniforms but fans kept calling them the Phillies and the Blue Jay was eventually scrapped you know so again even the owners knew the name was boring and un uncreative thankfully they have the Philly fanatic otherwise it would be a complete disaster of a name uh, and their logo's boring with the P. So, you know, Philadelphia Phillies, you're not as creative as, as the Sixers, and uh, that lands you in my uh, top five names that I dislike the most. Phillies, yeah, and their fans are also terrible. But anyways, on to our last one. Uh, for NCAA, I have the Georgetown Hoyas. Back in the day, students at Georgetown had to learn Greek and Latin, so... The history is they used to chant uh, Hoya Saxa because the Hoyas back in the day were named the Stone Walls, and that means in Greek and Latin terms, what rocks. But eventually, they just started saying Hoya by itself, which is basically a rock. So why are you naming your team after a rock might be one of the worst things to ever come into the NCAA. I think it's a terrible name. Yeah, The Rock, The Hoya, I'm, I'm not thrilled with that. But 
For my uh, team name that I dislike the most from the college rank, I picked the Akron Zips. You know, what's a zip, you ask? Well, it's short for zippers. Overshoes with zippers that were made and popular in the 1920s and 30s, right? And then the mascot is Zippy the Kangaroo. So come on, Akron. Your athletes deserve better than being named after a zipper. Plus, where do you get a kangaroo as a mascot? What's the relationship to a zipper? I mean... If your mascot isn't going to have a relationship to your team nickname, you have to pick something other than a kangaroo. I mean, mm -hmm. pick something other than a kangaroo. Uh, maybe you call yourself the buttonflies if you have buttonfly uh, jeans instead of <laughs> zippers on your jeans. I don't know. But word of note that I thought was interesting, fun fact, Zippy is one of eight female college mascots in the U.S. So that is, that is unique. However, I feel that the, the name is, has no relationship to sports, has no relationship to Akron, and, you know, who wants to be named after zippers and uh, shoes with zippers that, that are overshoes for your own shoes and have a killer kangaroo as a mascot? So, you know, Akron, you know, your athletes deserve better, and you've landed in the bottom five. There is no kangaroos in... America anyways too so I think the mascots also just a waste of time but it's interesting fact that it's one of the eight female mascots in the NCAA on to our last topic it's the Mets and the Yankees they opened their season yesterday at the time of this recording uh, the Mets won their first game at the score of one to nothing. DeGrom had an absolute show again, showing why he's a two-time Cy Young winner. Finished with eight strikeouts, no runs, and it was just a sight to see for Met fans uh, after the scare of his back injury. It seems that he's ready to go. The Mets, on the other hand, didn't have a lot of hitting they left four men on base that game too, but thank God uh, Cespedes came in clutch, hit a monster shot to to left field to seal the game in the seventh. It was great, and it seems that the Mets could possibly s strike in the future with this lineup. I thought it was a very good game one win. You know, with Cy Young Jake on the mound picking up where he left off, the type of game you expect from him. One hit, no runs, one walk, eight Ks. You know, the bad trend continues, though, with no run support for Jacob DeGrom. And, you know, you can't, you can't waste his outings and not score any runs. On the offensive side of the board, I thought, uh, you know, the home run by Cespedes was huge. They need a home run threat other than uh, the polar bear. So... It, it showed that he can still hit hit the ball and hit it with power. That was very good. Uh, I think Diaz had a huge save in game one. You know, I don't know why Lugo didn't pitch the ninth inning. I was worried when uh, he gave up that walk to Freddie Freeman and said, oh, no, here we go again. Uh, but he had two Ks on the day. Nimmo had a good day at the plate, two for four. Rosie, good day at the plate. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and he's a significant advantage if he's hitting in the ninth spot with Nimmo and McNeil following him when they turn over the lineup. So I thought that that was great. Again, I don't know why Rojas pitched uh, Lugo in the sixth and the seventh inning and not in the ninth, but it worked. I just don't understand the strategy. Uh, Lugo was much more reliable last year. You can't afford to blow a game in the ninth. And Justin Wilson uh, pitched well, mm -hmm. but having him in that position in the eighth where it was Betances or Jay Reese in the eighth in that game. But it worked out again. Um, from you know my concerns from that game, no run support for DeGrom, uh, timely hitting and scoring runs. I mean, Soroka owns them. I remember you and I were at City Field, and we saw Soroka's Major League debut. He beat mm -hmm. the Mets like a rented mule uh, in his Major League debut. And then he, he also just owned him again with six innings pitch, four hits, no walks, three Ks. You know, the Mets also did nothing against the Yankees in, in the exhibition games, you know, and the Yankees started two pitchers that one may be the fifth star and the other pitcher, not sure where he fits in with their uh, with their team, but they made him look like both of those guys look like Tom Seaver. So, you know, it's a concerning trend and a lot like last year, and they, they can't rely on DeGrom like, you know, to perform every game to stay close. They, they have to hit. And, uh, you know, Cano, yeah, he was one for three in the first game, but he's a double play machine. And, if, you know, you can't play him every day. Um, and I'd be looking to, to place uh, McNeil at second, J.D. at third, and get Dom Smith in, in the outfield. And Pete's not looking that good, and J.D.'s not looking that good. So, you know, the offense continues to be a concern from a Mets perspective. Pitching, incredible. Yes, the slow start uh... – happened in game two as well the Mets lost a game five to three everyone had a fantastic game Mats was lights out once again uh that's a good sign for Mets starting pitching uh because uh Syndergaard and Stroman are out at this time but it seems that Edwin Diaz can't strike luck and he blew the game once again with a home run given up to Marcelo Zuna. The Mets didn't have any uh, run support either during the game, but they had a good uh, they had a good fifth inning with a Conforto double, Ahmed triple, and then a sack fly from McNeil, but the game was a wash because of Edwin Diaz. Hunter Strickland sucked it up again. He should just be released, to be honest, but... The Mets lose, and their series record is 1-1 one one right now. Yeah, Game 2 is a, a microcosm of last year, and it's a, a what could have been. You know, if, if Diaz gets the last out, Ozuna doesn't hit that home run. Ozuna kills the Mets, killed him with Miami. He's going to kill him again with, with Atlanta now. Uh, but if Diaz can close out that, that game, the Mets are 2-0. and oh. He has back-to-back -back saves, looks sharp. His confidence is sky high. And, you know, again, this is a microcosm of last year. You can't trust Diaz to close the game. Now they're one and one. You know, Matt's had a great outing, six innings pitch, one run, one walk, seven Ks. Ahmed, two for four. I'm telling you, if there was an all-star game, he's going to have all-star game numbers. Conforto, three for three. Good, good day mm -hmm. at the plate. Cano, 0 for three. Pete Alonso struggling one for five, no clutch hitting. You know, they had an opportunity to 
put an insurance run on the board in the eighth, couldn't get it done, back-to-back strikeouts by Nimmo and McNeil. And these are two guys that put the ball in play, and they can't even put the ball in play. And then in the, the bottom of the ninth again, first and second, one out, couldn't bring, a, bring in a run. You know, and then the wheels fell off the wagon in the uh, 10th inning with the pitching, um, you know, giving up three runs to just seal the deal. But it's it's a lot like uh, 2019, and Rojas has to figure out what he's going to do with Diaz. Is he going to give him another shot? Is he going to put Lugo in there? Are you thinking about Jay Reese? Who knows? I don't know. Uh, but you, you got you got to do something. And you got to make sure you close those games because you're going to need every game. Uh, the Chipper Jones cut out at City Field. Enjoyed today's game. Yeah, that's probably bad luck for the Mets. A uh, thing with their hitting is they left ten men on base today. You can't leave ten men on base. No. That's just if you get at least two of those in, you win the ball game. Edwin gives up that home run. Probably gets the next out. Finishes the game. The Mets win. The Mets win four four three. It's over. But you know, you right. hate to see it. You're right. They don't have the timely hitting. They didn't have the timely hitting last year, and they're picking up game two as much like last year. No no timely hitting, and they're not scoring runs. I mean, against the Yankees in the exhibition, I get it, it was only expi- exhibition, but they were playing a lot of their starting players in both those games, mm-hmm. and they were going. They weren't going against excellent pitching either the Yankees weren't throwing their one two and three starters at them and they only scored three runs in those two games and then through two games uh this season so far they scored four runs mm-hmm. you're not they're not going to win if they only score two runs a game they're not going to win they're going to lose games two one two nothing the, yeah three, the, lack, two. the lack of runs is going to be crucial for the Mets it, it's just key. like last year it's key uh on the other side of New York the the Yankees started off this season 1-0. Cole, outstanding, dealed. He gave up a home run. That's the only thing I'm concerned with with Cole. It showed, he showed that to give up the long ball a lot, but he the rest of the innings he was terrific, flawless, if that. Uh, on the hitting side, Stanton had a home run. It was an absolute moonshot. Uh Judge went two for three that game. Also, uh, that's who we were looking at, and he's he did great. Sanchez, Gary Sanchez, on the other hand, struggled mightily. I think once they get LeMahieu into the lineup, they could be one of the scariest lineups in baseball within the like last twenty years. So, yeah, the Yankees, you know, they certainly look like the World Series contenders that I think they are. Again, in the exhibitions against the Mets, they beat the Mets up without using one of their starting four pitchers and many of their non-starters you know, They in the lineup. They showed how deep they are with their position players, can run out all these young hitters, most of whom can't even get into the lineup. Even their pitching, they showed pitching depth against the Mets, or maybe it's just the Mets can't hit. That's uh, still to be determined. But uh, the Yankees are, are, are going to be there. They're the odds-on favorite. Game one, Garrett Cole, he pitched like a number one. He gave up a solo shot to Eaton. But other than that, was humming along against the world champs. You know, five innings pitch, one hit, one earned, one walk, five Ks. He lived, you know, and the Yankees lived up to the name 
Bronx Bombers against the Mets and the Nats in game one. You know, Stanton hit a two-run bomb off Scherzer. Uh, even though Scherzer, you know, pitched well, five innings pitched, 11 K, six hits, one of the best pitchers in today's game. But Stanton, you know, took him deep. Stanton had three ribbies in the first game. And then, uh, you know, Judge is ripping homers and hitting the ball like he's playing in a Little League field. You know, he had no homers against the Nats, but two for three, one RBI. And the, and the Yanks are going to be really, really tough to beat. They're going to be tough to beat. They're, they're big guns that came through in game one. Mm-hmm. If their big guns continue to come through, they're going to run away with the AL East, and, and uh, they'll, they'll be contenders for the, the World Series. They, show, they just showed what they could do against one of the best pitchers in the league. They scored, they scored four runs on Scherzer. Before the rain delay happened, they had men on base with people up ready to go. I think they could have scored probably seven to eight runs that game, but the rain delay prevented it. Even though that happened, it seems that the Yankees lineup is just home run after home run, hit after hit. They'll be scary for the AL East and the NL East now that they are playing more games against the NL East this year. I would agree. I think um, the Yankees' schedule is favorable. Um, the I mean, the, the NL East, I think they can handle the teams in the NL East. Uh, the NL East will be tough competition. Any of those four teams can win the NL East. Haven't talked much about the Phillies, but the, certainly the Phillies are, are as much of a contender to compete in the NL East as the Mets are. And I think, um, albeit the Yankees will thrive on the NL East, they'll beat up on the Marlins. I think they're, you know, they play, they'll play in small stadiums like the Phillies and hit six, seven home runs a game mm-hmm. against Philadelphia's pitching. Same with Washington. Uh, other than you know Scherzer and uh, Strasburg, but uh, you know and they'll and they'll beat up on the Mets. They show they they'll do that uh, in the preseason, and I think they'll have a, a lot of success within their own division as well. The Orioles, you know that that's they'll beat the Orioles every game. They'll beat the Blue Jays every game. Mm-hmm. Put up huge numbers against them. I think they'll bomb the Red Sox because yeah. I think the Red Sox pitching is suspect. And then, you know, Tampa has good pitching, but uh, they just can't compete with the Yankees lineup. So I think that, I think they'll uh, fare very well staying, uh, playing a, a geographical schedule. I agree with you. It just shows the two, two different sides of New York, but that's it's it from the cellar today. To and here's hoping our teams get out of the cellar soon. York.